0: People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Welcome to Premier League Insights, the weekly podcast that combines odds analysis with statistical insights to try and find you value in the betting markets. With me today, as he always is, is Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. How's it going, Jake? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks,
1: Ben. Um, fact, fortunately for myself, I didn't pay £15 to watch any of the Premier League matches over the last weekend. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think we worked it out that each goal would have cost around Five pounds thirty to, to watch if you paid
0: for all of the five matches so um, and six of them came in one game. That's a bargain. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, what we'll do today is we've kind of got a bit of a, a nice split in the the fixture list for game week six.'ll we'll, we'll go through five games um, in this part of the episode and then what we'll do is we'll we'll do the next five in in part two of this week's podcast. Um, in terms of our predictions from from last weekend, I, I think the less said the better from a, a pinnacle perspective. The under 2.5 in the Merseyside derby was an obvious loss and the, the, one, the minus one on Manchester City didn't come in either. Um, contrast to that, it was a great weekend for InfoGoal. You had Everton or the draw. You had the under 3.5 in the City-Arsenal game. So I think we're, we're kind of evens now or, or level pegging uh, after 10 predictions. Um, moving on to this week, what are you going to pick for your highlight game here?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a couple that, that
0: were that are interesting
1: games, but not nothing in particular stood out from a value perspective, other than um, at Wolves versus Newcastle, which I think is the 4:30 Sunday match. So that's where we'll be going this week.
0: Well, the listeners will we've teased them out because they have to wait for part two of the podcast, but fortunately, we we have <laughs> got one for this part. We have got Pinnacle's highlight game is Manchester United Chelsea. So we'll obviously get onto that in a little bit. Um, but we'll we'll kick things off with the the first game of the weekend: Aston Villa versus Leeds. Um, I I can't imagine anyone out there would have Aston Villa as the last team in the league with a 100% record. Um, They haven't exactly had it easy either, to be be fair to them. They've obviously played Liverpool and Leicester um, in those first four games. I think credit where credit's due. I mean, they have dramatically improved and and played well, not only in each of the games last season, but after the restart last season, they, they were a much improved side. But I think everyone will also agree that they're... They're probably a bit fortunate to have four wins from four at this stage. Um, Leeds have been pretty up and down and in a weird way kind of consistent. They had a 4-3 loss, a 4-3 win, a 1-0 win, a 1-0 loss, and then a, a 1-1 draw so far. Um, for me, I kind of thought that they were going to be built on a a solid defense after what we saw from them in the championship last season. They're currently at 1.72 expected goals against per game, which, which isn't great after five games. And, and maybe that will come down over the next few games as well, but we'll have to see. Um, as for the odds, Pinnacle has Villa as the favourites here. So they're at 2.32, um, a 42% chance of the win. Leeds at 3.16, which is around a 31% chance for them. And, and you can get the draw at 3.66, which is obviously the remaining 27% um total is just above the average it's currently at 2.5 and 3 uh there is a slight lean towards the under though according to the market and i mean this we were just chatting a little bit off air. i couldn't quite remember i didn't know if i was going mad but Leeds were the favorites against wolves last week they're now underdogs against villa um i'm not saying the odds are wrong but it, it for me it's just a hard one to work out what do you think jake
1: yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a really interesting market. Um, like you said, there's a couple of games there where you can sort of compare. But um, what I would say is that the 42% of a Villa win suggests to me that the market actually thinks Villa are marginally the better team of the two. Um, you know, I think that if you take the home field advantage away, which probably around 3 or 4%, um, then Villa would still be favourites. So, um, yeah, that, that, that to me is quite interesting. I do think that maybe it's a slight overreaction because um, infogol actually rates Leeds as the better of the two teams, we've got Aston Villa at a 36% chance of winning this game. So that basically suggests that Leeds, um, without the home field advantage, Leeds would be favourites um, if these two were to meet in, say, an FA Cup final at Wembley, for example. Um, I do find that quite interesting. But I, like I said last week, I do think the, the infogol model, which works on a um, you know, weighted system of ratings based on previous matches, I do think it's still yet to to fully catch up with what Villa did towards the back end of last season, especially defensively, um, and what they've done so far this season. I think we have waited to around fifteen matches, so it should start kicking in very soon, where we start seeing Aston Villa's underlying um, rating actually improving quite um, quite quickly because they are improving very rapidly as a team. I think Dean Smith has done an excellent job there. Whatever he did post break um, was, you know, pretty remarkable really, because prior to prior to the you know the covid break they averaged 2.4 expected goals against per game um they came back and they averaged just 1.0 expected goals against per game so that is a remarkable improvement and it's something that we've seen carry on um into this season so far through four matches they've allowed just 1.04 expected goals against per game so um really staggering stuff um also in there which i think is really worth pointing out is the fact that um it, in those matches I think they played four this season and 10 at uh, the back end of last season um they've i think i worked it out that they they conceded fewer than one expected goals in around 8 of those matches so that that really is some feat to, to concede fewer than um uh, one expected goal in in 8 matches of 14 so um the, defensively they do look really solid and, and that was the case last week against Leicester, where the limited them to just 0.63 expected goals. A really impressive performance uh, from a defensive standpoint. You know, Against Fulham, it was at 0.82 expected goals. Um, and against Sheffield United, it was 0.97. But you take that penalty away and it's 0.17. It's a pretty impressive um, defensive display. And I think that's the main area where I've seen uh, a lot of improvement from Villa. Obviously, people will be drawn to that 7-2 win over Liverpool. The fact that they created chances at will. But I think that was more down to Liverpool's approach than Aston Villa being a, a really potent attacking team. Um, so, I, I think their main strength is their defense. They obviously have better tools on attack now to uh, really cause teams problems. But I do think that, that their, their main asset is how strong they are defensively. And obviously, the improvements that they made in the summer, bringing in Emmy Martinez, who um, has been excellent, really, at free clean sheets uh, so far. Um, and obviously Matty Cash who's coming at right back I think he's probably gone under the radar but he's been a really really solid signing um, for for Villa Douglas Luiz has has made that holding role his his own as well in recent weeks in in fact got got a call up for Brazil in the recent international break and started the game for them so he really is catching the eye um, especially across the pond so um, yeah, there's a lot of things to like about Aston Villa, and um, like I said, Infigal does make them favourites. But I think if this game was perhaps played uh, in a couple of weeks' time, then we would probably have Villa um, a little bit closer to what the market does. So I do I don't think the market is too far out, because um, Villa have been a much better, much more impressive team so far than, than Leeds have. I know that they um, they had that really good performance against Manchester City in a one-one draw game at the arguably but they should have won according to expected goals. But um, prior to that, and 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 since that, they really haven't blown anyone away in fact I would go as far as saying that I've not been impressed with them based on the standards that I set for them at the start of the season I don't think they've reached a peak yet Um, I think that will come and they will get better Um, you know they've shown flashes obviously the, the clinicalness against Liverpool um, they raced into a, into a 4-1 lead against Fulham and, and you know, they rode their luck a little bit against Sheffield United. And against Wolves, they were unfortunate to lose according to expected goals. Like you said, they, were, they ended up going off around 11 to 8 favourites, which um, was, I think, probably an indictment of, of how the market thinks about Leeds and thinks that they have the potential to finish in the top half this season. Um, you know, when you think about the playing Wolves who finished seventh in the last two Premier League campaigns. Um but yeah, they they created enough chances to get a point from that. Obviously, it was a deflected goal that, that settled matters. But um overall, like you said, defensively they've not been overly um consistent, allowing 1.73 expected goals against per game. Uh, and going forward, they've they've been very clinical, which is not something we saw from them last season at all. So um there's things to work on for Leeds, and I, I do think this can be quite a fascinating game. Um obviously, Villa <coughs> have played Leeds recently in the championship. Uh, slightly different in terms of the players and the managers but um you know Villa will be very hard to break down Leeds will continue playing their high press and perhaps could leave a few gaps open for Villa to to exploit similar to the sort of thing that we saw Wolves do on Monday night which was fast breaks um through splitting passes and um one thing that did impress me with Wolves display was was just their directness the directness that they played with you know people like Podence got on the ball and and Uh, Pedro Neto and they were driving at players and I think that this Villa team have got players to be able to do that and and commit people and I think that could be a bit of a problem for Leeds so Villa rightly favourites according to the Inficord model but the bet I really like in this um, is under two and a half goals like I said, Villa um, are a team that are built on solid foundations at the moment, and um, they look very, very strong. at defensively, Leeds are yet to get firing in attack. Um, yeah, they, they, like I said, they had a one nil against Wolves, a one one against Manchester City, a one nil against Sheffield United. Following on from those four free games, so they, you know, the goals have sort of dried up in their matches as, as uh, both teams, in, or them and their opponents, have regressed towards some sort of scoring mean. Um, and as as for Aston Villa that's been the same as well 1-0 against Sheffield United 1-0 against Leicester obviously the 7-2 is a massive anomaly and a 3-0 win against Fulham is is pretty much the norm at the moment so I'm not seeing too many goals the model's got this at 60% chance of under two and a half goals which is uh, a monstrous value bet compared to the um, 45% available on the market so you've got a 15% margin odds against for the under 2.5 goals is definitely a bet that I would be uh, looking at back. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with your your read on Leeds there. It was they were entertaining to the to start with, but in a word I think it's just disappointing really over the the course of the season so far and Villa it's it's clear that they've they've made vast improvements and it's kind of built on that defensive solidity um, and really shoring things up at the back and while we can kind of dig into to how Villa have turned things round and, and made such a drastic improvement I think one thing from kind of a, a betting perspective that's interesting to think about is that we're now going to have a lot of people in the market that kind of they're drawn to Aston Villa one because of that massive result against Liverpool two because they've got a hundred percent record it's it's one of those ones and, and and from your perspective I guess why would you guard against people just kind of Blindly backing Villa without actually thinking about the performances or their opponents or anything like that, because I mean it is a dangerous game, isn't it? Just to follow the hype and and see those good performances or, or results and then think, right, they they're going to my bet for the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is it is dangerous to to just throw them in based on the um, you know looking at the recent results, but um, they've been very profitable team to follow so far, um, so you can understand why people might want to to keep. Keep them on side. You know, thirteen to eight against Sheffield United, twenty nine to twenty against Fulham, six to one against Liverpool, twenty three to ten against um, Leicester. So, although that they are obviously catching the eye in terms of the results, the they've not yet touched odds on territory in any of their matches, um, which is is interesting. But you know, you can't just look at the results. You have got to look at the performances, the teams that they were playing as well, um, and obviously the most two most recent results against Liverpool and Leicester are. St- Severely eye-catching because of the caliber of team, you know, two of the top five from last season, and uh, and they, you know, against Leicester, they were perhaps fortunate to come away with the win. It was a long-range strike that got them the three points, but the fact that they limited Leicester to creating hardly anything is is you know what's probably the most impressive thing about that result, and I know against Liverpool, exploiting an obvious weakness as well. So, um, I'd, I'd be I'd be cautious, but at the moment, I can't really put anyone off backing them because they. You know, it's not just these four games where they've impressed. it's been the back end of last season as well and 10 matches. So you've got a 14-game stretch really where um, where they have looked like a, a mid-table team and a team that are capable of beating the likes of Leeds or maybe even the likes of Brighton or West Ham, that kind of calibre. So um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, do a little bit more digging before you throw them in, but at, the, at this moment in time, I think that they are one of the most informed teams based on expected goals in the Premier League and um, obviously, they've, they've played a game fewer than quite a few teams in the Premier League. But based on the expected points per game, they sit fourth at the moment um, in the Premier League expected table. 1.83 expected points per game is what they're averaging. Uh, 0.03 fewer than West Ham and Spurs, um, unless Liverpool sit top of that table on 2.02. So it is no fluke that they are um, winning games and, and performing well. So, yeah, I would keep them on side for now.
0: Well, we'll get on to one of those teams that you just mentioned there in West Ham. They've got Manchester City uh, this weekend. I'm I'm not too sure where to begin, really, with, <laughs> with this one. Uh, I think I said last week that, that Tottenham would kind of be a, a test for West Ham after some improved performances. And after just 15 minutes, it looked like they were back to their old selves. 3-0 down, obviously, and it, it kind of looked like it was all done and dusted up until... 82 minutes until when they managed a, a ridiculous three-goal comeback to to draw 3-3. Generally speaking, I think it's a much better process all round for them. And, and they did lose the battle just about um, over the course of the 90 minutes. And and obviously, the context of the game needs to be considered. But when you look at it in terms of the XG battle, it's... I mean, a draw is, is kind of not out the realms of possibility. Obviously, Tottenham did do did do enough to win the match and, and had they came out a little bit differently in the second half and, and managed the game better, then, then they probably would have been good for the win. Um, Manchester City did get another win against Arsenal at the weekend. It's, it's obviously important to get those the three points and pile them up, especially when teams like Liverpool are drawing, but they just don't look like the team that we've come to know over the last few seasons. They're, they're currently on 1.625 XG per game uh just from their first four games it's not terrible but it's it's no way near pushing the the 3 xg per game that that we know they're capable of um similarly i think as well defense is is a major concern for them at the moment and it's i mean it's almost a, a given that they're going to give their the the opposition a, at least a couple of decent chances at the moment and if if one of those goes in and city aren't kind of firing on all cylinders in attack then it, it then becomes a difficult task for them um, despite all of that, it's, it's still no surprise to see that the odds heavily favor Manchester City here. 1.411, so nearly a 70% chance of the win for them. Um, West Ham a home underdog, 7.78. Um, so that equates to just a 13% win probability. Um, and the total, as, as it always seems to be with Manchester City, is pretty high at, at 3 and 3.5. Very short price on City, um, considering what we've seen from them this season. I think anyone we're not one for trends, but I think anyone looking to to bet on West Ham here should should probably look at the four games that City have played at the London Stadium in the league. They won 4-0, 4-1, 4-0, and 5-0. So make of that what you will. Um but but what does the Infogon model say here, Jake?
1: Yeah, I mean we we make Manchester City favourites, obviously, but we're we are giving West Ham a bit more of a chance than what the market is suggesting, so We've got West Ham at an eighteen percent chance of winning the game, uh, City at sixty-two percent chance. So there's a thirty-eight percent chance of West Ham getting something from the match, uh, which is a small value bet, at a big price if you are looking that way. Um, and I think that's, I, I think the the price on City on the market is a little bit too short based on what we've said. I know you, you've listed quite a few things there. Um, concerns in attack, obviously, likes of Kevin De Bruyne might still be missing for this. Aguero coming back is a huge boost, obviously. Um, but defensively as well, they haven't looked their um, you know stingy best up until the game against Arsenal. I thought they looked really solid against Arsenal. Um, the Gunners, obviously something we spoke about quite a few quite a few times on this podcast, aren't the best attacking team in the league. Far from it. So it wasn't hugely surprising to see them struggle to create. Um, but nonetheless, I thought that Ruben Dias was um, pretty dominant in quite uh, pretty much all areas of defensive uh, defending. I think. they... Him and um, I think Carl Walker played alongside him at centre half. They, they both had really impressive games. Um, yeah, I, there were positives to take from that. Obviously, the win is, is the most important thing, but still, they are yet to create more than two expected goals in a game, or um, well, two, two non penalty expected goals in a game this season, which is slightly concerning. But then you look at the fixture list, and uh, you know they, they've had it pretty tough. Starting off with Wolves uh, away from home, the team that finished sixth. Uh, Sorry, fourth, fifth in our expected goals table. I get that right. Um, then they played against Leicester, the team that finished uh, fifth in the table, sixth in our expected goals table. Then they played against Leeds, a team that we think are mid-table um, capabilities. And then played against Arsenal, who finished obviously eighth in the league last season and um, have started the season pretty well themselves. So they're not had an easy schedule um, for them to come away. Come away with uh, what was it seven points? It's not. It's not the, the end of the world, but the way, the manner in which they, they've gone about their business hasn't been as impressive as, as uh, recent years in particular. West Ham, after starting with um, a really disappointing defeat against Newcastle, have, have really impressed. Um, I said there that in terms of expected points per game so far this season, they, they sit joint second best in the Premier League. Um, so their performances are, are, have been excellent, really. Really unfortunate to lose at Arsenal, um, impressive against both Wolves and Leicester, and then that comeback against Spurs. Came out of nothing, pretty much. Um, 3-0 down, like you said, after 15 minutes. Spurs were extremely clinical with the chances. I think it was 0.41 expected goals at, through their first three shots that all resulted in a goal. Um, that's the kind of hot finishing we've seen from Spurs quite a few times already this season. But, you know, they, they West Ham really didn't look interested up until they got the goal. And then all of a sudden, it, they just sparked into life and... Um, Deservedly got a point in the end. The XG total was very, very even, 1.73 to 1.57. Um, a really high fairness rating according to the InfoCore model. So, uh, another really impressive performance. And I think that West Ham are a team that are improving under David Moyes, um, both in attack and defence. Obviously, the, the the way they limited both Wolves and Leicester um, in the two games prior was, was really impressive. But the gaps that were exploited by Tottenham is, is a bit of a concern ahead of this game against Manchester City. Um, like I said, there's a small bit of value in backing West Ham on the draw. Um, I, I would be tempted by that, but I, I do think that City will probably end up getting the win. Um, whether they do that quite comfortably or not is another question. So maybe taking West Ham uh, plus one or plus one and a half on a handicap. Uh, the model's flagging up over three and a half as, as the analyst verdict. I can see this being quite high scoring, but the bet I much prefer, although it is a much shorter price, is both teams to score. Uh, 59% chance on the market. We're giving it a 62% chance um, of both teams in the net. And I think that although Arsenal, obviously, uh, sorry, Manchester City obviously kept a clean sheet against Arsenal, uh, I think West Ham. are, um, my, people might laugh, but I think West Ham are a better attacking team than Arsenal in terms of the creativity, um, the you know the manner in which they go about the business and taking more shots. And you know, the, in terms of the expected goals that they've created so far this season, um, I think they're averaging. 1.96 expected goals, for per game Our West Ham. I think Arsenal are around 1.4. So uh, West Ham should be able to give City um, more trouble. Uh, and I do think the voting to score is a really solid bet.
0: I think the the number of Arsenal fans that listen to this podcast will have dwindled and dwindled since we started. But Jake, I, th- <laughs> I think you've just put the, the final nail in the coffin saying that West Ham are, are a better attacking team. But I mean, I'll take that all day. Um, one question I would have is... It's interesting. I mean, look, we're four or five games into the season. It's we know it's it's a it's a long old slog. There's so many more games to go. Is part of you or or should part of betters be thinking about City aren't quite firing? We'll get onto Liverpool shortly, but they've obviously lost a key player in Van Dijk and and had a a, a couple of that result against Villa is obviously a bit of a shocker. Um, do you look to the outright markets and begin to think? who else is out there kind of maybe to make a play on early on or, or is that just kind of silliness and the cream will rise to the top eventually over the course of the season, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think definitely much, but uh, definitely what you just said there, the cream rising to the top. Um, I don't think, I think it's too early to panic. It's been a strange season for obvious reasons. It's been a strange off season, a really short off season for quite a few of these teams. Um, and I think what we were seeing with, especially maybe even Manchester United as a prime example, they looked Terrible in the first few Premier League games. But against Newcastle, they look much more like the team that we saw um, post-break or post-January even. And then they went to PSG in the Champions League and absolutely, I thought they were fantastic. So maybe the the number of games will help these teams um, find their groove, if you like. I think Liverpool obviously had that little blip. But other than that, they've been pretty flawless themselves in in terms of performance levels. Um, Yeah, The the, the outright market's just been really, really interesting just to watch. Um, Liverpool, after they beat Arsenal, went into odds on favourites, around 1.8. 7-2 defeat to Villa, uh, pushed them back out to over-even money. And then the draw with Everton has pushed them out to 2.7. Um, Manchester City now into 1.88 favourites. The price moves on uh, on the likes of Spurs. Um, Everton have both shortened up. Manchester United have drifted, um, which I think is quite interesting. Obviously, Villa have been hammered into 51.3, um, which is laughable, really. Um I don't, honestly don't know who's backing Villa to win the Premier League title. And, you know, if they do win the Premier League title, I will hold my hands up and call myself an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, I think that the, the whole market itself is just really interesting to watch at this moment in time. You know, like I said, 51.3 on mm-hmm. Villa is, is hilarious. Um, I think other firms are offering, offering around 33 to 1, which is bizarre.
0: I'd be um, interested to know the split of bets of of how many of those are actually from Villa fans yeah. as well. That's that's driving that price.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if they keep being hard to beat, they'll you know they they could well hang around the the top eight or top nine. But uh, winning the title is going to be a, a push. But yeah, I think the. The, the cream will rise to the top. Uh, the forecast table on, on Infogall still got Manchester City top, Liverpool second, Manchester United third, and Chelsea fourth, even though they've obviously had slow starts and a few blips here and there. But let's not forget City and Man United have both played a game fewer than the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Wolves, etc., Spurs. So if they win the games in hand, then City will be level on points with Liverpool. United overtake Chelsea uh, and be level on points with Arsenal. So um, although the results of and the, and the current table doesn't really reflect how teams have been played. I do think that the the better teams will improve as the, as the weeks go by, just because of the, the number of games that they're playing and, and the players will get back up to match fitness and match speed.
0: Well, our, our next game is Fulham versus Crystal Palace. And we can stop talking about teams at the top of the table because these are teams that are right down the bottom and, and likely will be for, for the most of the season. Fulham finally managed to get some points or a, a point, sorry, on the board at the weekend. Um, It was a pretty even game against Sheffield United with the penalty included, uh, and that's obviously what, what really cost Fulham there from stopping them from getting the three points. The, the the process is still that of a team that's looking at relegation. There are a few that are actually worse than then, so I think maybe some minor improvements, a few fortunate results, and you could find the key to survival through that, I think. um, Palace... Are one of the teams. Then they're not worse than Fulham in terms of process, but they're they're fairly similar. Uh, one point zero two expected goals per game for, one point nine six against. Um, I think a bit of luck for them, and they've kind of it's more like they've they've they haven't dispersed those that poor performance or poor process kind of evenly. They've had like the odd good performance that actually means they're they're sitting in fourteenth as opposed to bottom. Um, it's. It's quite an interesting one in terms of the market as well here. It's, it's pretty evenly split. We've got 2.93 on Fulham, 3.22 on the draw and 2.72 for Palace. So in terms of percentages, that's that's 34% for the home team, 36 for the away side and, and 30% for the draw. So obviously a, a close one according to the odds. The The question obviously then is, is there any value on offer there, do you think?
1: Yeah, the Infragold model has got a fair bit of value back in Palace, um, which is... I think, quite interesting given the recent performance. The fact that they didn't manage a single shot other than the penalty against Brighton, um, which is vintage Roy Hodgson pragmatism. Um, yeah, it's, it's not really the most enticing game of football um, or betting spectacle, to be honest. Not been impressed with either team. Like you said, Palace have had their moments this season where um, that perhaps... Maybe we were reading a little bit too much into those early results. Obviously, they beat Southampton and Manchester United and, and maybe what we should have been talking about is the fact that Southampton and Manchester United hadn't yet found their um, match fitness or match sharpness because both teams have looked much better um, you know, as games have gone by. And if those games were to be played again, then perhaps w- those results wouldn't have been exactly the same. So, a little bit of caveat to those results, I guess. But recent performances have been horrendous from Palace. Like I said, not Point... Um, eight expected goals against Brighton, which was the entire penalty from um, from Royalton's side. Uh, prior to that, 0.14 against Chelsea, 0.69 against Everton. So it, it is really bad viewing um, if you're a Crystal Palace fan. In terms of non-penalty expected goals, four through five matches, Palace have created just 0.7 per game, which is... I think that's probably the worst in the Premier League. I I can't confirm that. Fulham's is marginally better at 0.82 non-penalty expected goals four per game. So you can sort of see where I'm going with this. You've got two really drab attacking teams. Um, Two teams that probably would take a draw right now um, and get it over and done with. Because this this easily could be a relegation six-pointer. We could look look back on this game and and call it a six-pointer after... And a couple more matches, and, and these two teams continue to struggle. So, um, yeah, I mean, the main bet for me is, although it's a short price, under two and a half goals, 58% on the market. The model gives a 64% chance of under 2.5 goals. So, you're looking at a 6% margin there um, of value, and, and that is definitely a bet I can get on board with. I don't see this being um, an entertaining clash at all. I don't see goals at both ends. I don't see, um, you know, a high scoring contest. So unders is definitely the the play I would be making, but the model really does think that Crystal Palace um, are a better team than Fulham, even with home and field advantage. Forty four percent chance of a Palace win compared to the thirty six on the market. And I, if the you know if I were to pick one of these two teams to get the win, it, I probably would side with Palace. But um, yeah, I, I think given what we've seen from both recently, it's really hard to pick a winner in this one. Um, so I'm just happy to take the under two point five as a value bet.
0: I'm not too sure if this is one of the, the pay per few ones, but you, you certainly wouldn't want to be a salesman, I Jake. Is. I don't think you're selling out too much, but you, you're completely right. I mean, it's difficult to see anything other than the, the Unders or a, a low-scoring game in this one, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, we can move on to what will be an exciting game. And, and as we said at the intro, it's Pinnacle's highlight fixture for the weekend. Uh, it's Manchester United versus Chelsea. It's obviously a massive game at the top of the table. You mentioned about Manchester United winning their game in hand to go above Chelsea. To be honest, I don't know if if these two are going to be battling for top four, if they've got a shot at the title. It's, it's a difficult one with how other teams are playing. And as we said, far too early to kind of make those kind of assessments. yet. Yeah, anyway, um, we are recording this after the Champions League results. Um, and obviously Manchester United will be be the happier of the two sides, but it didn't go terribly for either of them. Uh, a win against PSG for United and the, the nil nil draw against Sevilla for Chelsea. And I think if anything, the positive out of that is the Chelsea showed that they, they can defend properly and actually keep a clean sheet, which will be good news for them going into the premier league or, or kind of the rest of the season. Um, it
1: helps when Kef is not in the net. Well, they
0: got, they got Peter Cech now in the squad as well, I think. So maybe that could be the, yeah. the key.
1: I think he might be second choice <laughs> instead of Kepa.
0: Um, I mean, in terms of the Premier League, both sides, obviously, they haven't had the start that they would have wanted. Chelsea, it's it's two wins, two draws and a loss. Uh, a relatively easy start for them. A couple of different, obviously, the Liverpool game in there. Um, but Manchester United are on two wins and two losses from their four games. And again, they would have expected much more from that given the fixtures that they've played. Um process hasn't been up to scratch either from from both sides. Manchester United is actually considerably worse at the moment. I think they're I can't remember what it was on the the pod last week, but in terms of expected goals against they're right down the bottom kind of second, third or fourth bottom of the league uh by that metric. But the the odds do suggest that it's it's Manchester United who are most likely to get the win here, but but only just. That they're, they're priced at 2.53, 38% chance for them in this one. Chelsea at 2.84, which gives them a 35% chance. Um, and in terms of the total, you've got uh, the total is at three. But as a favouring under for this, what are your thoughts, Jake? And and what's the pick for, for Pinnacle's highlight fixture?
1: Yeah, this, I'm finding this quite a difficult one to assess just because um, I sort of had made my mind up about these two teams before the Champions League matches, um, that Manchester United were flattered by the win at Newcastle, a few low probability chances. Um, and that Chelsea continued to be sh- shocking defensively. But based on what we saw, what, what I watched in, in the midweek against PSG, Manchester United, I thought were excellent. They conceded just one big chance in that match. I think the XG total finished uh, 1.59 to 1.47 in PSG's favour. But I think 70% of PSG's, or 07 of PSG's XG actually came from one chance that was a really close range effort saved after 12 minutes. So after that, Man United really did a good job of limiting them and uh, and obviously posing a decent threat at the other end as well. So, um, yeah, they looked back to the, the similar levels of what we saw post-break, um, which is worrying for the rest of the Premier League, really, because they were quite devastating um, post-break. And then, obviously, Chelsea played against a severe team who aren't the most vibrant attacking team anyway. But, um, you know, I guess in these group stage matches, in particular the Champions League, it is... Um, a point is not the worst result away from home. So Severe, when it was 0-0, Severe were more than happy to take that point, I think. And I think that definitely helped Chelsea keep a clean sheet. Uh, I think It was maybe eight shots or, or 12 shots in total in the entire match. 0.66 expected goals combined. So it really wasn't one for the entertaining. Um, but it was a solid defensive display. I think they do look a little bit better at the back with Mendy in the net. Um, it's, it's amazing how much a, a difference a keeper can make. who, who is commanding and um, you know just calm really more than anything and, and steady. Um, but you know they've still got issues in attack, which is one of the things that I have spoken about before um, on on this podcast. And that, I don't think that really has changed. Um, the the Infocon model. We, we're giving Manchester United a forty three percent chance of getting the win here. So there is value in backing manchester united and i think that that's that's probably a bet i can get on board with after what i've seen in the last couple of games i think that they are showing signs of improvement um from that 6-1 defeat obviously at spurs prior to the international break um so that's the that's the bet i'm going to put forward um for this one manchester united to win i think they're around 2.4 or something like that i think that's a, a very fair price you know they've had chelsea's number um last season they beat them 2-0 at the bridge and beat them 4-0 at old Trafford when it was Solskjaer versus lampard last season um and i think that manchester united are probably in i, th- I think they i'm expecting them to to come good and uh, and improve anyway as the season goes on but i do think that now they've got a few more games in their legs they do look much uh, much better all over the pitch um whereas for chelsea i'm still unsure about Frank Lampard, one I'm not sure if he's the right man for that job. Um, and two, I don't think he knows what his best team is, and and I don't think that they've quite clicked in attacking areas just yet. So, um, there's no doubt in the talent that they've got there. I think the, the you know, I think ZH played his first few minutes of the season against Severe in midweek. Pulisic is is back. Um, obviously Werner looks an absolute lethal threat over the top. Havertz has yet to find his full form. Um, so that you know they, they are more than capable of going to Old Trafford and, and scoring a couple of goals. But um I still have question marks defensively, although they've kept a clean sheet against Sevilla. I think that the you know the, the back four and perhaps even the two in front of them just aren't aren't quite up to it just yet. And I think that Manchester United will be able to make or cause problems for, for Chelsea. I think there are quite a few um areas in which Manchester United can do that. Obviously the missing Martial, which is a bit of a, a bit of a blow after his red card against Tottenham. Um, but I think that they've got the players to come in and replace. I think that we'll see a changing system again. I think I like the five at the back that he played against PSG midweek, Luke Shaw playing as a left sided centre half, Alex Teller's playing as a left wing back. Um and, and then you could throw in an extra maybe Greenwood's back for the for the Chelsea game, Greenwood and Rashford can play up top, maybe with Fernandes in behind. So there's a lot of things that Solskjaer can do, but I do think that um, Manchester United should be a little bit firmer favourites in this one.
0: Yeah, I can certainly see the logic behind that one. In, in terms of Pinnacle's prediction, this one, I mean, bet is like the under and, and so does Pinnacle, actually. Um, I think certainly, like you said about the, the attack, not quite clicking for Chelsea's one. I mean, probably hope that, that Peter Cech actually plays for this to come in, in instead of <laughs> Um But yeah, the under, under 2.5 is the, the Pinnacle prediction for this one. So we'll have to see how we get on with that. Um, moving on to, to our last game for this part, it's Liverpool versus Sheffield United. Liverpool could and probably should have had the win against Everton, although, I mean, judging by the, the play of the game, I'm more relating to that dubious offside decision, should we, should we say at the end. But, I mean, 2-2 isn't a bad result, especially considering how well Everton have started. For them, it's it's clearly going to be the, the loss of Virgil van Dijk for the season that's a bigger blow than anything else from one individual game. They seem to have struggled a bit, even with him in the side. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to handle not having him back. They do have a bit of depth at the back, but it's one that I think January will probably see them go out to the transfer market as well. They're still looking decent going forward. Mo Salah looks like he can finish just about anything in and around the box at the moment. Unbelievably clinical um, and lethal in front of goal. As for Sheffield United, we've spoken about their draw at Fulham, and although their process wasn't bad before the game, I think we both expected a lot more from them in that. They deserve to be closer to mid table based on their performances, I think, but the longer they go without the win or picking up results, the more likely they are to to be in that relegation scrap come come the end of the season, and soon pressure does does impact performance and it's it's difficult once you kind of get ten fifteen games in to to really drag yourself out of that situation. It's unlikely that they'll get anything out of this game as Pinnacle has Liverpool as really strong favourites. I mean, they're, they're incredibly short. It feels like an FA Cup tie almost. 1.258 on the market. So they're actually pushing 80% win probability. It's 78 at the moment, but that is, it feels very high. Sheffield United, a measly 8% chance for the win with their odds of 12.55. Uh, 6.49 for the draw, so that's around 14%. I know one player doesn't make a difference and Liverpool have more than enough quality to overcome Sheffield United, but 80% seems like madness, Jake. Do you, do you think it's fair?
1: Um, we we think that's a little bit too, too short. Um, we are making them really strong favourites, obviously. We're giving them a 65% chance of getting the win. Um, but interestingly, it's, you know, what did you say the price was around 1.25? Um,
0: yeah, so we've got them, Pinnacle's got them at 1.258 at the moment.
1: Yeah. So that, that is really interesting. I've just got up the, the the game from last season which they played in I think game week 21, so January time, Sheffield United were obviously in, in the hunt for the top 6 and they were exactly the same price 1.25. So um you know, I think that the market is obviously set on on its ideas between these two teams and I think it's fair that they were pulled a short favorites. Like I said, we've got them around 65% chance compared to the the whopping numbers that you mentioned there. Um yeah, the, uh, Apart from that game against Villa, um, Liverpool have been exceptional. I think so far this season they were fantastic against Everton last time out. Really, really impressed me. Um, once again, the way that they dominated the play, Thiago looks looks like some player. Now, I'm watching him week in week out, he you know gets even better. But the attacking front three look, um, look in fine form. It really is hard to pick holes in, in that performance. Obviously, the fact that they conceded twice is the main uh, is the main issue, but. In terms of the 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 numbers that they posted, one point three five expected goals to two point eight five, they couldn't have done much more really um, to win that game. Obviously, had the 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 late goal ruled out that was very very dubious. Um, and Jordan Pickford pulled off a couple of worldly saves to be fair to him um, after he completely crocked Van Dyke. So um, yeah, huge positives for for Liverpool, even though they're, they're obviously ten points from a possible fifteen. Um, the main negative is, is the Van Dyke one and um, it's not just the fact that he's missing. I think Matip, Matip is, is a doubt as well for um, a couple of games perhaps. Uh, so that means that they are a little bit short on the ground in terms of centre-halves. So maybe Fabinho might have to slot in there. Uh, I thought he was excellent against Chelsea so that's not really a, a massive a massive um, hindrance but Van Dyke is the best centre-half in the league in my opinion so he will be missed. But I do think that They should have no problems at all really taking out a Sheffield United team that haven't really hit the heights that they hit last season. Um, The process is, it's not, like you said, it's not terrible. They're more performing like a mid-table team or lower mid-table team. 1.14 expected goals for per game, 1.32 expected goals against per game. So they're not massively... um, they're not posting numbers that we've seen from, the example, the game that we spoke about earlier, Fulham versus Crystal Palace, where they're averaging one expected goal a game and conceding nearly two. So there are plenty of positives for for Sheffield United to take. They've had a uh, what would I, what I would call a fairly tough run of fixtures really to open the season, um, playing Wolves, playing uh, Arsenal, playing Leeds, playing Villa. Um, you know that Villa and Leeds in particular. I think most people probably didn't have them down as um, as top half candidates, but I think that they are playing in a manner that suggested they could push for that. And obviously, Arsenal and Wolves are top eight from last season, so it will get a little bit easier for Sheffield United. And, and this obviously isn't one of those games where it, where it will happen, but I think that they, they can cause a few issues for Liverpool and perhaps get on the score sheet. So, um, that's where I would go really with with, with a bet on this one is both teams to score, not just because Van Dyke's out, but even with Van Dyke in the team, they have looked, um, you know, pretty vulnerable. 1.48 expected goals against per game is what they've averaged so far this season. So, Sheffield United are more than capable of getting um uh, getting on the score sheet in the defeat. We're given a 53 percent chance of, of both teams to score. The markets at around 51. So, there's a small margin of value there, but that's definitely the the play I would I would put forward in this one.
0: Well, that is our that's our first five games of game week six. Great chatting to you as always, Jake. And I'll, I'll speak to you again soon to cover the five games that we've got left. So, so cheers for coming on. Speak soon. Cheers, Ben. And thank you to everyone for listening. Do make sure you download the Infogold app on iOS and Android. Visit infogold.net and give at InfoGoal app a follow on Twitter if you do want to do more in-depth analysis to help make those predictions. Of course, for help with soccer betting or betting in general, make sure you follow at Pinnacle on Twitter and head over to the betting resources section of Pinnacle.com to read some of our fantastic articles. All of the odds for game week six of the Premier League are on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and remember to always gamble responsibly.